Hello, everybody, and welcome to Doing Time, where humans talk about their experiences in a psych ward. Today, we have guest Carly Spielberg. Carly is one of my oldest and dearest friends. I've known her for almost 11 years, and this episode was amazing and great to record, so hope you enjoy the podcast. Good, thanks. Um, so Carly is one of my best friends, and I've known her for like since 24 no, 2012. Yeah, so like 10 years. <laughs> well, I knew you since I was 14, so I guess what 11 years we've yes. known each other, which right. is crazy. Um, went to Jewish summer camp together, and so we've had quite the glow up. Um, <laughs> a shared I yeah <laughs> uh dude I so I, I assume I don't know if you listen to the podcast the first question I always ask is how much time have you done and that could be like psych ward therapy um time that you've like been like oh I was depressed for a month or manic whatever you know you've gone through so when it yeah that's just the why don't right. you go ahead and answer that for me <laughs> okay um uh wow that's that's going to be a long time. Um, I think <laughs> she is. She is I went Jewish, to, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, I am Jewish. If you couldn't tell by that answer right there. Um, I think so. My mom took me to a psych, like a child psychologist or therapist when I was <clears throat> in fourth grade. So, wow. yes, it's been. How many years? How old are you when you're in fourth? Since I was eight years old, 10, pretty much. 11. um yeah so since then I've spent countless hours in therapy (laughs) and um not to mention sorry (coughs) um not to mention all the time no I don't I promise I don't okay um yeah and so from there um I eventually went on to go see psychiatrists um and so, yeah, I, it's kind of funny because when I talk to, um, you know, my friends that also struggle with different mental illnesses, it seems like most of the time they, um, they didn't start, you know, seeing symptoms or noticing anything different with them until they got into maybe like middle school or high school. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I started going to a psychiatrist when I was in fifth grade, so I think I haven't really met anyone else that um, kind of had problems from a young age like that. So I think um, I think people do. They just don't have the resources, or their families aren't like families oh, that yeah. talk about stuff. Yeah, for you know? sure, because, for sure. Because when we, because I, I was put in a. I went to a psychiatrist when I was twelve. I was in sixth grade, and I got put on ADHD medication. But 
being a Jew, it's like we joke about it, but you literally are surrounded a lot of times by doctors. And so there's more of an open uh, dialogue, if you will, about therapy right. and about mental health and stuff like that. And there's not really around a shame surrounding it, which in yeah. a lot of other like religions and cultures, it is shamed. And so you're told not to speak about it. But I feel like Jews are so open about just like if there's a problem, you're going to know about it. It's not like right. swept under the rug. So I yeah. feel like that's probably why, why were you put into therapy at such a young age? So I was, um, I had paranoia. I was like an extremely paranoid child, which is as the Jewish people do are, they're very paranoid. <laughs> and, it's um, what you signed up for yeah. And so mine just, you know, started from a young age. My mom noticed, well, first of all, um, there's a lot of people in my family that struggle with like anxiety. And so when my mom saw that I was just like terrified of things that a normal child, you know, should not be this scared over, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I I couldn't be alone by myself. Um, It was just like extreme. Mm -hmm. I was extremely scared all the time. And um, when it started interfering with like me, going to school like I was getting like really freaked out at school and I couldn't Mm -hmm. sleep um that's when she was like all right like it's time to you know we need to go see um a therapist about this so that's um what I started going for and um I remember it's funny because when my mom took me um she might have taken me even at a younger age than that um than like when I was in fourth grade but Mm -hmm. um it's funny, like, I just remember talking to this uh, psychologist when I was, you know, I guess I was 10. I'm just talking about these ridiculous things that I was scared over. Did, and well, so let me ask you a question. Did you, because um, you know sometimes when you, because you obviously have, have anxiety now and you, like, know how to speak about it and then when you say it out loud you go oh that's so ridiculous I know that yeah. when I say that out loud that's crazy or whatever yeah did you have the self-awareness at that age to like know once you said it out loud that it was something that wasn't normal or like did you no not at all like I like firmly believed that <laughs> like these things that I was scared of were like ridiculous it, it was things like um like a like ghosts so I'd be like I was like terrified that there were like ghosts in our house mm-hmm. and like I because re- like I saw a movie once about a house that was haunted but then I would okay. just like th- I would like fixate on that and then I would like convince myself like our house is haunted because like a door creaked or something like that and so right. and so yeah like at, at that age I was like I would just I was so convinced of what I was anxious over was actually true. Right. I had, it's so interesting. I had similar tendencies as a kid where I slept with my parents until I was like in eighth grade. Like I yeah. slept, I, and, but I didn't like go to bed with them. I would wake up in the middle of the night and run out of my room into their room. Yeah. Because um, I thought that there was like robbers chasing me and my closet door was going to open. And then right. once I got to their room, but I used to sleepwalk to the room because I did it every night. So, yeah. like, I would sleepwalk to the room because I, my body was so used to doing that, and I was so paranoid. I used to, like, be so scared of my room to, like, get something if it was dark, and, like, I was downstairs, and I had to go back upstairs. And my mom would count down from, like, 20, so she'd be like, just just 20 seconds. And so then I'd, like, yeah. sprint upstairs. And I don't know if, like, that was any, like, similar things to you where it was, like, robbers, people under my bed. I used to, like, sometimes sleep under my bed because I was so paranoid. 
Right. No, like, I, was, I was nuts. Yeah. <clears throat> and so, I yeah, so when that started, like, it wasn't just, like, it got to the point where it wasn't just me going to bed and being scared. It was, like, me mm-hmm. scared all the time, 24-7. Like, like socially, too? Could, yeah, like, could not be alone. Um, <clears throat> I couldn't, you know, I, could, I still couldn't sleep. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, um, yeah, so that is when she started taking me there to uh that and that was just a um psychologist right and then I think so that was like around fourth grade and then when I went to fifth grade that's the first time I saw a psychiatrist okay when you saw a psychiatrist did they put you on meds yeah mm -hmm. um and I believe the psychologist that I went to um like recommended that to my mom like, after a certain point, okay. they they were like, yes, like, she is probably a candidate for somebody who should, you know, be on some um, some sort of anti-anxiety medication, which... Do you remember what they gave you? Um, I can't remember the first thing they gave me, but um, I think I took it for, like, a year. The next thing I went to was Lexapro, and then I was on that for, like, seven years, so... How old were you when you first started Lexapro? Um, I, I think it really worked, like, for me as a child mm-hmm. and then, like, growing up into um, an adult, mm-hmm. which is pretty much what I did with that medication. Um, I think it worked really well. I actually switched when I got to college to mm-hmm. um, Zoloft, and after oh, college I, I, went, ba- I <laughs> went back to Lexapro because uh, she's, oh. she's a good friend of mine. Okay. <laughs> she's she's been good to me. So I don't have That's like really I good. I like I never had any symptom or uh, side effects that you know really bothered me and um yeah eventually I like did get over that paranoia and I think being on that medication is really what helped. I don't know. Um, obviously, like therapy helped with that too, mm-hmm. but um, I don't know how much progress I would have made. Had I not been, like, properly medicated. Yeah, I mean, there's studies that say that therapy isn't effective alone and medication isn't effective alone. It's the combination yeah. of both. So, yeah. I mean, that makes sense, especially as a child. Like, therapy isn't as beneficial as a child. I mean, I, I can't speak to that, but, like, at, at least in my experience, just because, like, you're not mature enough to really apply right. the things I... that you learn. Yeah, I remember going to, like, a child psychologist and, like, playing in a sandbox. And, like, <laughs> yeah. like, with them. like I didn't, <clears throat> I guess it was a time where, like, my, my mom might have just been talking to them. But, I like, I was just like, this place is so cool. Like, I was playing in a sandbox yeah. and, like, having the time of my friends. life. You have your birthday yeah. party there? Yeah, <laughs> at, the, at the psychologist's office. Yeah. Um, wow, okay, so then from childhood... It's weird because usually when I talk to people, like my last, the last person on the podcast was like, I started therapy two years ago. And then you're like, oh, I was 10. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Um, But, but I was going to ask you like from there, from then on, obviously mental health shifts and it changes. And it's like, you know, when I was younger too, I had the paranoia and then it switched from that to like OCD. So yeah. What was like the trajectory of your mental health where like you had the anxiety, but then like what, what? shifted because I know I know you very yeah well, yeah <laughs> so so after like the paranoia was better um like once I got into middle school I was kind of 
I shifted from that and then um, started, um, I started like doing rituals like with OCD. Mm-hmm. So um, I was never diagnosed, like yeah, actually diagnosed with OCD, but I, I, I did the, uh, I had rituals that I would do. Like, I, I know we've talked about this before, like the knocking on wood, like I would oh, yeah, obsessively yeah, yeah. knock on wood and you know, I would think to myself, if I don't knock on this wood an even number of times, then my entire family is going to die in their sleep. Okay, yeah, you, you got to <laughs> Which is, yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. right. Okay. So, um, uh, but that's also, but I think, too, Carly, I think that's also a form of paranoia. Like, I, because yeah. I'm, I'm super paranoid, too, I feel like. Yeah. But I don't, and I think, too, that that could be why you you're the type of person that doesn't blame your problems on the world. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. you put it on yourself. That also could be why too, because you're always constantly like too self-aware and paranoid. Right. Right. And yeah, I see what you're saying. Like it, it definitely was a form of like paranoia because I would just do it obsessively and right. it would go back to like me thinking some crazy thought and then like really believing it. Um, just like, delusional thoughts that yeah um and I it's the same thing like it didn't even though I was in middle school I was a bit older you know like 13 14 I they I'm thinking back I'm like that's so ridiculous but at the time I was I wasn't like self-aware to be like this is a ridiculous thing to think about because I guess that's just what yeah what age did you reach um when you realized it was I that it was OCD or just Whatever that, like, you, call you, it. like, cause you know, okay, so now I'm like so self aware where like I'll realize my OCD shit where I'm like, oh, this oh, is obsessive. Yeah. Oh, I can grab the thought and I can throw it away. You know what I'm saying? But like yeah. when you're younger, it's so difficult to deal with because like I would tap things three times, like my fingers, and I had yeah. a different number every day. And if it didn't land on it, then I would like freak out and kind of like panic and shit like that. But like yeah. I thought that like that was normal, if that makes right. sense, or like that. I fir- like like you firmly believed that my thoughts were real and that they were you know reality, but yeah. when you know I think I finally realized it wasn't once I. Honestly, when I was like twenty, yeah, like <laughs> when because it's something you don't think about, you know, because you're not like oh remember the time I was like extremely paranoid and like knocking on wood every day, <laughs> right? <laughs> I just it's 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 not something I think about all the time, and so I was probably around the same age when I realized like. Um, hey, I probably was like, had OCD and was undiagnosed because that's a weird thing that I did for a long time. And then I remember like hearing about other people doing things and being like, oh, like that's insane. I'd never do something like that. And then I'd like (laughs) think about it. I actually did do things like that. Like even worse. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, interesting. Uh, so with the, with the OCD, what, what was high school like for you and how did that you know affect you as far as not like affect you mental health wise but affect like I don't know because I think people and I think like for and I don't know if this speaks true to you I feel like I always even get to know like my best friends like better on this podcast because I'm like actually asking you questions you know what I'm saying right yeah just like being in a situation with you but like I don't think people understand that OCD doesn't just affect functioning like do you know it it affects relationships and like um yeah, mostly relationships with other people, I feel like. 
yeah. and work and stuff like that. But how did that affect you in high school? I think so with um, with like the rituals that I did, those mostly came at night, which I'm I'm not sure why. I feel like everything I've had that surrounds around like the anxiety and the OCD and the paranoia, like most of it like builds up at night. And for some reason, that's when maybe, I would start. Yeah, doing maybe it builds the- up during the day and then you finally like relax and it all hits you. Yeah, that's just I mean. That's pretty common, I feel like. Yeah. Because you're, like, going... You're busy during the day. Right, right. I think, you know, I still get... I'm still, like, very scared of, um, like, scary movies and things like that. But, um, like, being medicated really helped me. Like, I I just kind of... I wish I could say, like, I did therapy and stuff to, you know, stop having those... Um, rituals and the ticks and whatnot but mm-hmm. I think I just kind of like grew out of it I mm-hmm. I don't yeah I don't ever like that's why I'm saying like I was undiagnosed because I never brought it up to mm-hmm. um a doctor and I guess it never got in the way of my life um because I was doing it at night and mm-hmm. so it wasn't until I was like 20 where I looked back and I was like that's yeah that was you know definitely um, an OCD ritual that I was doing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just because you're not diagnosed doesn't mean you don't have it. And that's, I mean, a lot of people go undiagnosed with certain things. Yeah. Um, do you, so, I mean, your OCD, like, was throughout middle school. Did you, I know you have depression, right? Um. I have talked to my psychiatrist about, like, I think what it was is I, um, like, bipolar depression. Like, it, it comes and it goes. But oh, I've never... okay, okay, okay. I was like, you're not bipolar. <laughs> um, so, but I've never been medicated for depression. Okay. It's, on, it's always only been anxiety. Mm-hmm. So... I've had moments where I guess from like I've just been so anxious and I've gone through periods where my mental health is very bad and I am depressed Mm -hmm. but my doctor has never like treated me specifically given me a medication just for depression and I think I think that's because the Lexapro is like it I'm not sure, so don't quote me on this, but I think it works, you know, like an antidepressant too, anti-anxiety, antidepressant. No, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you, what, what does your anxiety look like? Um, my anxiety is, it, this also, it also comes and goes, um, I'll, I'll get really anxious about random things and mostly like it, it really comes back to um like kind of the paranoia I had when I was a child like things scaring me so um like if I let's say like I'll watch a scary movie and like I'll work up the courage to go see it Mm -hmm. um that'll sit in my mind for probably like weeks and weeks and um do you have ever like mental rituals with OCD I don't think I've ever had... What Can you explain, like, a mental ritual? Like, 
you you see a scary movie because OCD obviously you can grow out of certain things, but I feel like it ma- it'll just start manifesting in other ways. At least in my opinion. Yeah. So if you see a scary movie and then you like have a certain you know, like a pop-up scene or something where something's super scary and then you replay mm-hmm. that in your head and you obsess over it, if that makes yeah. sense. Or if there's any yes. release of compulsions that you yeah. do where you're like... absolutely. Like, yeah, where you'll replay it. And then for me, I'll have to replay it like three times because my number is three. And then I'll just be like, stop. And stop thinking about it. And then I, I'll like... That will sometimes make me feel better. Or like there's like a compulsion that you pair with the obsessive thought and the compulsion release relieves the obsessiveness part but then that just relieves your anxiety that's what I yeah is. so you're like teaching me more about myself now than I <laughs> knew before yeah, but I definitely do have like those obsessive thoughts like even intrusive um but like yeah. I was saying so like this is I will give you an example um I saw a movie um Midsummer, and oh. That movie was, it was incredible, but I had a full-blown, like, I went to go see it in theaters. I had a full-blown uh, panic attack. Just wow. the first scene is really intense. It, like, um, deals with, like, this girl's entire family dying. Uh-huh. And um, just, like, from then on, I was, like, had my eyes closed. It was terrible. It was awful. And so, like, after that movie, I... I I think I was, like, having panic attack the whole time and after because I went home, like, I couldn't breathe. It was just, which it sounds silly to somebody maybe who doesn't have anxiety or, like, you know, doesn't think the same way that I do. But it was Mm -hmm. so intense for me. And it was, like, so triggering. childhood shit, too. Yeah, yeah. Paranoia. And it's, like, extremely graphic. And so I go home and I'm just, I, like, I can't breathe. I'm, like, freaking out. I should have left the movie theater, but I was, like, with a friend. And, of course, I'm, like, no, like, I still want you to have a good time even though I'm, like, dying. ill and, like, dying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's Carly. And, <laughs> yeah. and uh, so I, um, I obsessively thought about this movie, like, nonstop. Like, the, the most horrible parts played over, like, in my head over and over again. Um, it was like, it was like the worst panic attack I've had in a long time. And, um, and so I, that's actually when I ended up changing my medication because of this movie. (laughs) Um, I had to change my meds. Yes. Because I was like, this is like, I, and I had been on, um, Zoloft for a couple of years now. And I was like, this shouldn't be happening like I understand if I was triggered and maybe I thought about it for a couple of days like Mm -hmm. that's you know a normal behavior but for weeks on weeks to like I I started like regressing and like doing things I did as a child like I wouldn't sleep alone um when I was with my uh, I was uh with my ex-boyfriend at the time like I wouldn't go to sleep um if he wasn't with me or like if I wasn't on the phone with him um and it's you know, it's funny to think about again because it's like a movie like did this to me, but um, yeah. it was just like, ex- like just extremely triggering. And if you I think see too, them, like if you haven't fully processed what's happened to you as a child, too, like those old triggers can come back, and then it just like, and then it, so it couples with the paranoia from as right. a child, and it's triggering because that's something similar that you would have reacted harshly to as a child too right and then if you haven't processed it which i feel like both of us aren't in first place for um yeah you know and then you couple that with ocd and the obsessiveness because you've 
graduated to having OCD, which is great. Um, <laughs> and then, you know what I'm saying? So it's like there's multiple layers to it. And yeah. so when you say it out loud, logically, okay, seeing a scene in a movie fucking you up for two weeks, yeah, logically out loud, that sounds atypical. But yeah. if, you, if you look back at your history, it actually makes a lot of sense why that would be so much for you to go through. Yeah, and it, it was like like going through all of this was also worrying me because I was like, I remember feeling like how I did when I was a kid, like when it felt the same way as like when my parents would be like, um, when I couldn't sleep or like I would refuse to sleep alone and they would close their door, like, a, you know, parents are like sick of their kid. They would close their door and I would like feel like this doom like the world was oh. ending like it, it's like that like you know you feel it in your chest when you have that right. kind of anxiety it's like right it's so heavy it's it like I remember feeling the same way that I did when I was a kid and I was just like I like maybe my medication's not working anymore I need to try something else mm-hmm. um because that feeling is just so awful but um yeah and it's I I went through something similar where like something fucked my head up for a while and then I was like oh I need to change medications because like like you it's the same exact thing where if it affected me for a couple days normal but it was affecting me for weeks and months and so I switched but um or just I up my dosage but uh do you yeah sorry I I didn't know if you wanted to finish something on that No, no no you're good to go um I I wanted to to have you on the podcast because I I wanted to talk about two things um one was like divorced parents um and then like addiction in both yeah. of our families mm-hmm. so i mean we can just do a little bit on each but what maybe go into like your family situation and then talk about um not talk about but maybe like explain the dynamic with like the divorce and everything and we yeah. can talk about that because we've really bonded over that which is great <laughs> Yeah. So my parents, um, they got divorced when I, they, they decided that they were going to get divorced when I was 15. And then the divorce was like finalized when I was like 18, 17, 18. Yeah. So we're like the same person. It's like, they picked, they picked the best time to, (laughs) to have me go through some horrible shit. Oh yeah. Never let them forget that. No. Um, yeah, so with that, um, it was kind of crazy. My parents, my whole life, I like up until that point, um, like I feel really lucky, you know, up until that point, my parents were like very loving towards each other. Um, I like, I very genuinely never saw them fight one time growing up, um, which is when they when like stuff did happen um it was really crazy to see because this is something like I'd never seen before um and their break like their separation was awful um it was like there were restraining orders like separate lawsuits um they pretty much they like went after each other at the throat um you know, split up everything in the house, like picked out things one by one. They, they (laughs) would, they, they did things to like purposely hurt each other. So like if they, 
you know, my dad wants something in the house, my mom is like, well, like, I'm going to write down that I'm going to take that. And then, you know, if you really want it back, you can sue me for it. Like, they went, (laughs) they, yeah, they were, they were petty. That kind of, that's great, actually. They were petty. (laughs) I have a lot of respect for your mom. (laughs) They were, yeah, pretty much at each other's throats. Um, And to this day, they still don't talk to each other. So, um, yeah, so my, the dynamic between my family. What was that like for you? (laughs) What? I was like, what was that like for you? Oh, yeah, it's it's so fun. So, so, yeah, so, so, like, when I was 15, yeah, so this all, like, when, when shit hit the fan, like, it was, like, fighting for, like, two weeks and then divorce. It was, like, so quick, and it was, like, it, like, slapped me in the face, because I, like, I very genuinely never saw them fight before that, so, um. (laughs) That's wild. I know, so after that, it was everything I was in the middle of, because I was the youngest child, and, like, still the one that would be, like, up in the air if there's, like, custody issues or whatever so everything went like through me like you know and I know you deal with this too like if one if your parent needs something from the other parent or wants to say something to the other parent like it goes through me oh you're a licensed therapist yes yeah (laughs) and that's still the way it is after I don't know it's the worst years they do you get the do you get the uh tell tell your uh, like other person like give me money type shit yeah yeah i got that yes or like my mom was like uh the bank came after me for something that your dad didn't pay for so you need to figure that out and i was like i need to figure that out i was like looks like they're coming for you not me so i don't think i need to figure out anything you're like my name isn't chase spielberg yeah yeah sorry damn i got a lot of that i had a lot of that with my stepmom because um, there were a lot of, uh, non-truths, if you will, going around, um, that, you know, when, when you start to date somebody, and I don't know if you've experienced this or with your parents, but when they start to date people, they try to make it seem like, first of all, when you go through a divorce at a young age, like, or at an age that you're old enough to understand what's going on, but at a younger age, whatever, they think that you don't know shit, but you actually know everything. Oh, yeah. And so for me, it was more of like the, oh, we're not actually dating and spending money in a, money on each other. And I'm going to tell Drew that so that she tells her mom. It's like telephone. But at the end of the day, yeah. I'm like, I don't even have to tell my mom because my mom knows, A, and B. Right. I know. You can, you can lie to me and I'll know. Right. So I don't know if you experienced that, but it was just a lot of, yeah, I was always in the middle, especially for the money shit. And that was uncomfy. Right. I... Because, like, so when they had divorced, um, I don't think either one of them was eager to, like, see anyone else right away. Because my dad had already been married before he met my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mom has um, a lot of, like, health issues. She's always had, um, she has, like, a bad back. And so she's always had multiple surgeries and procedures yeah. on that. She's, like, pretty much... She's, like, not in the best health, so I mm-hmm. don't, you know, she's still to this day, I don't think she really, um, like, is looking for another person, but um, I had, I was 18, and I, when it was, like, finalized, and then I went, and I moved away, and I went to college, so, like, I didn't get a whole lot of that, like, them, like, seeing other people, and, like, me being in the middle of that, but, um, mm-hmm. yeah, my dad has, like, I've never dated met your other mom. people. 
Yeah, I don't think you have met my mom. Which is That's crazy, because I've known yeah. you for I know. a long time. I've yeah. met your dad multiple times. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I've never met your mom. Okay, so... Okay, so yeah, they weren't like dating other people and stuff. Well, they're they're a bit older though, right? Yeah. Well, my dad is like seeing. Um, he sees people now, and okay. um, yeah. I mean, I I like all the nice Jewish ladies that he brings home. They're very sweet. No shade. Good. on any of them. <laughs> good. Honestly, good. Okay, love to hear that. Yeah. Do you? I mean, do but you, are, you're like cool it's with it. still. I'm still in the middle of things, but uh, like obviously it's like died down, and they don't really need to contact each other for anything. But if right. they do, it's definitely through me. And how is that? Does that make you anxious at all? Yeah. Well. Yeah, and it's like, I'm just like pissed off like when they do that, and mm-hmm. the bad like did I don't know did you ever experience like your parents like bad mouthing each other through you or like trying to be like yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i, I, I got the yeah. whole i got the whole i'm mature i'm not gonna say anything but i will and then they yeah. do oh, and you're like my God. okay and don't they preface do it. it just do it and they do it all the time or like well there's things that have happened that you don't know about or like okay i know i literally know every single thing like don't pretend right. like i don't know so oh, absolutely like, so yeah one parent will be like talking about my other parent and then i'll be like uh-huh. okay well the other parent doesn't do this why are you why are you saying bad things about them right and then they'll be like well you don't know what happened behind the scenes but i do right <laughs> i do yeah know. i love that line they're like yeah. how did you know and i'm like dude come on i'm not i'm not five years yeah. old you know what i mean and yeah. and for me yeah i got a lot of that dude and a lot of like give give your dad this and give your mom this this envelope yeah and i'm like oh my god and it and and the hardest part about it too is like you look at them and then you're like that's i don't know if people who don't have divorced parents really experience this i think they they know it but they don't actually know it through experience where when you have divorced parents and they do shit like that you go oh my parents are just people because when you grow growing up see your parents and they fight or whatever or they just you know they're normal people you assume that they have this level of like oh they're gods my parents are yeah you know always doing the right thing and they're cool or whatever even if you right. don't like your parents you just assume that they have this other life that's like it's almost like a fairy tale kind of and then when you right. see them you know like doing shit like this you're like oh they're just like two exes who are petty and passive aggressive yeah. mad at each other like they're people too and you start to realize that they're not all like made up to be as you right. thought they were and it's, like, again, like, I never saw them fight, which is, I think about that all the time. Like, that's insane. Like, how did they do that? Like, how did they never fight in front of us? That's, that's pretty <laughs> like, good, honestly. I, so, maybe I should have seen it coming. I don't really know, but. Yeah, um, but I, that's, that's, yeah, I don't know. Because I, I didn't experience that. I, um. To me, fighting is like white noise, like that TikTok that's like when I bring home my boyfriend to my Thanksgiving and it's just a bunch of people yelling and they're just like casually eating yeah. dinner. That's like what my shit was, you know? Yeah. I'd come home with my friends and I'd be like, oh, they're at it again. You know, it was like always yeah. like my parents yelling at my brother or whatever. But um, I, I mean, so parents are divorced. Um, can I tell the story of how we like became really close? Yeah, of course. Um, so I met you at summer camp but I didn't start talking to you like you know closely obviously we were always friends but we became like very very close um I'd say 
what what year was that first 2015 year, like, count- 2015 okay so first yeah year, like, that, that, yeah that was my first year as staff at camp yes 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 okay and i remember vividly because i have a photographic memory we were walking up to like the walking dining up hall the hill. Yeah, yeah walking up the hill and and then i was like i don't know what it is about her and at this point i'm very open about my brother but at this point in my life i wasn't as open as i normally was just because uh I was going through shit and a way for me to keep it in was to, or for me to have power over things was just to not tell people. And I remember like seeing you and I was like, we we started talking about something and I don't know how it came up. And I go, Oh, well, you know, like my brother is, and I just felt so comfortable saying, and I can read energies really well, which I'm obviously same with you. Um, And I said to you, you know, my brother's a heroin addict and you know, he's using. um, So I'm just like kind of frazzled right now or whatever it was. And then, you were like, oh my God, that's so weird. My brother like just passed away from a heroin overdose. And I was like, yeah. whoa. Yeah. And I, after that, I mean, the rest is like history, but right. you've been sort of that, my rock for that. And that know. moment is so funny to think about because like when you said that, I was like, and this, ha- this like still happens with like people that I connect with in this way. It's like, oh my gosh, like I'm excited. Like I also have like a yeah. addict yeah. like in the, you know, and so it's like, so yeah. I was like, no way. Like my yeah, my brother passed away uh, a few months ago from a heroin overdose, and like, it's those moments are like comforting, and like you're oh, yeah. getting excited about you know something <laughs> terrible, but it's it's like so great when you when you ha- have like a connection like that with someone, um, oh, yeah. especially like because our situations and our lives are like so similar, like oh, yeah. that just like added another level of like this is somebody who is like knows what it's like you know yeah well especially too like I remember like we were like okay both of our parents are divorced which I mean is common but like we had similarities with it with like yeah being put in the middle and being the youngest child and then our brothers both being addicts and then um you know the whole summer camp thing and like always being like everyone's therapist and we just had like a lot of similarities right um in that way of yeah. just getting along with everybody and like we're just like very similar I just I always describe our relationship or like our personalities as you are I am the unhinged version of you yeah. <laughs> I I'm remember just- this <laughs> we would like I would like get to a point with you where it was like I wouldn't even be like oh same because like you'd just be like yep yep that's all yeah yeah life. yeah like it's just mm-hmm. like mm-hmm because we were too similar in that way. Very similar. And then I was like, what meds are you on? And then they're like, they gave me this thing that like kind of <laughs> yeah. made me like delusional. And I was like, oh, honey, I've been there. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're like, they put me on Risperdal. I'm like, they put me on Trazodone. <laughs> I was like, collectors at this point. Yeah, exactly. Just guinea pigs. Um, I wanted, I, I did want to talk to you about uh, your addiction in the family and, and yeah. things like that. Because um, that was, I mean, it's hard because... I, I did I had um a comedian actually come on the podcast and talk about her brother also passing away from a heroin yeah and, I, I listened yeah. to that podcast I remember that one hell yeah uh yeah and and it, and it's so again comforting and unfortunately comforting you know because obviously yeah. you have to go through that to make a connection with somebody but you know you do and um I wanted to ask you like especially being at that age like mm-hmm. of knowing like and fully being aware of what's going on and then like yeah. on top of that were your parents going also going through a divorce yeah so um my parents were 
so they separated in like 2011 when I was like Mm -hmm. 15 and so from like 2015 to or I'm sorry from 2011 to 2015 is like when it was like when they were separated and then divorced in um 2015 and so um I remember being at my mom's she like had gotten a new place I think I was um, either sophomore or junior in um, high school. And my brother had just moved back, Daniel. He is my second, he was my middle brother. So I have I had Daniel, who's five years older than me, and then Adam, who is 10 years older than me. So we were all five years apart. And so Daniel um, just moved back from Denver. Mm-hmm. And um, they, he was like a really private person. And mm-hmm. so... Um, he was, like, going through this, uh, for, like, probably, like, two years before anyone knew, and so when he moved back from Denver, um, that's when he started getting treatment, but because he was, like, really private, and he was, he was really embarrassed, and he, like, he hated being an addict, um, my parents kept it from me, so... I really didn't know for a long time. I didn't know up until about maybe like a year before he passed away that he was an addict. Um, and looking back, it's like I should have seen what was going on. But, you know, I was like, I was um, 16 and 17. Like I was, I was like worried about like getting my license and like driving around and like, you know. Yeah. Things like that. I I would have never even thought that in my mind mm-hmm. and I vividly remember coming down the stairs one day and my dad um, came to my mom's house and he was picking up Daniel and my mom was crying and Daniel was crying and I like walked downstairs and my mom was like hugging him. I'm like, what's going on? Like, I was so confused. And um, my mom was like, Daniel's sick and he's like going to go away for a while. And like still, like I was almost an adult, like... I, you know, but they only did that because it was what Daniel wanted. And Daniel, um, my mom always said that Daniel didn't want, because I was the little sister. Like, he Mm. did not want me to have, like, that image of him. Right. Being an addict. And he was, you know, he was so embarrassed of it. So that's when I started asking questions. And that's when Mm. my dad, obviously, he's the one that tells me everything. He's the one that told me, like, the tooth fairy doesn't exist. He's very rational. He was like, I'd like straight up ask him. I'm like, what's going on? He's like, oh, Daniel's addicted to heroin. I was like, okay. I'm sorry, that's, that's... not funny, but it's just like. No, but that's like, like, that's like, how so it is. And that's how it is with my dad. And that's how it was. Like, he has no, yeah. like, he has no regard. Like, he had already told like my half siblings, like everyone else knew. Like, wow. that's just how my dad rolls. So, yeah. um, So, yeah, I was like 17. I was 16 or 17 when I found out about that and so yeah my parents were split they were split up but they weren't like finalizing the divorce which um honestly like the way that Daniel was it's not surprising that he became you know very addicted at this time when Mm -hmm. my parents are going through this awful stressful right divorce like absolutely they're divorcing like we're moving out of the house that we lived in our entire life um like you know and I I just it's such a stressful time like obviously you can't be like oh I'm not surprised 
you know, he started heroin, but I'm like right. not surprised having an addictive personality um, mm-hmm. and being an addict that it got bad at this point. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. I, that's so interesting. Cause I, my brother, we have different experiences with that. Cause my brother was, um, always addicted to something and, uh, yeah. and I was, would watch it. And I yeah. shared, shared like a wall with him. So I knew what was going on. Our cleaning lady quit because she was tired of cleaning up drug paraphernalia. Um, and so I, I knew everything. Um, yeah. I, I can't imagine only having like a year, you know, notice almost that he's going through something like that. Not that you would know that knew that he was going to pass away, but you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, yeah. So I, I, most of my family, like when he passed away, most of my family had no idea. Like, my cousins, my aunts and uncles, like, he was very private about it. And he would still, like, he, you know, came to family functions and, like, he, like, he could still somewhat function, but only for, you know, a few hours to show a face and then go back. But, um, it's, like, it's interesting because I look back and when my dad told me that he was addicted to heroin... I was like, this is bad, but I, I don't know why. I think I just wasn't around people who were addicted to a substance like that before, but I was like, oh, that's really bad. But for some reason, I think I kind of thought it was like cocaine or something, like maybe like something that people get addicted to a lot, but it's easy to overcome and, Mm -hmm. um, you don't die that easily from it, like you know, maybe that's kind of, I think that's what, like, I thought when I was a kid because, or when I had found out because I was, you know, I was worried and upset, but I wasn't like, oh my God, he's going to die. Like him dying from that never crossed my mind for some reason. And I, you know, I, I don't know I if it was think because it's a I was form like. Of protection for yourself. Do you know what I'm saying? And, and, yeah. And no one wants to really go through that and, and think about the consequences because you already know it's bad so why dig deeper right if that makes sense yeah. and I think too like knowing the information especially as somebody who's like 16 you're not again you're not around it a lot and it's almost yeah. like this like the only analogy I can use is like it's almost like me thinking about what it'd be like to be a doctor where I'm like that's a whole nother world I can't even grasp or put myself right. in it yeah. sounds different, you know, so like it's a whole different world. And so mm-hmm. unless you're in it or know about it really well, because I got to know it really well through Alan, um, the leader of my brother's halfway homes, you know him. Um, but yeah. it, because I knew about it through him, but I didn't think it was I knew it was bad, too. But I had a similar experience where I was like, oh, he'll be fine, you know. Right. Yeah. And when I think I did see like how bad it could get, because I remember coming home one day and like he's um he was detoxing and so I he pretty much he like looked dead like he was just he was in my mom's bed and my mom was just like watching him like 24 7 like monitoring him making sure like he's taking the medication he was just sweating and sweating and then he'd, he'd have like a fever and he'd be like shaking and he like was sleeping most of the time but this was going on and then I'd be like all right like now I'm gonna go to soccer practice or something like yeah so this was like fortunately becomes the norm 
If yeah, it's in it now. Now that it's not my world anymore, like thinking about that is like, that's like crazy. It's that's like up. no, it's really it is. Up. It's messed up. But I was like, all right, like this is and and first, like honestly, for I don't even think he would like when I was in that situation, seeing him detox. I still don't think him dying crossed my mind because when you're a kid, like. He was also a kid. He was 21. He was 21, 22. And you don't think that your brother, who's young, like still pretty much a kid, is going to die. Because that's, you know, kids don't die. Like young kids, young people don't die. And so like that never crossed my mind, even when he was in like that horrible detoxing stage. Well, that must be, uh, and and again, I've, you know, been through that stage. But uh, as far as obviously, you know, your brother passed away, like, that must have been 10 times more harder for you along with obviously it happening which is just horrific but you know because you didn't it didn't cross your mind yeah um but i don't know i just i was a teenager so i was just kind of like i was worried about my brother but i was also just i feel like maybe it was kind of what you were saying like i was trying to protect myself but i was just like and i think it's also me you know since he's passed and I know he's passed and I go back and, you know, say I wish things were different all the time. Mm -hmm. But I just, I never thought that he would die. And like, I also, I, I was worried about him, but it wasn't like, it wasn't, I wasn't worrying for his life. You, why? Cause you weren't aware, you know? Yeah. Like yeah. I think one, cause I was similar to that. And then once I got aware, it started like eating me alive. Yeah. But when you're younger, it doesn't, have that effect because you're you're literally just not aware did you right. um I, I mean you can be as little open or as much open as you want to be but like when you did find out that he passed away were you aware because he was on the shot right yeah so um he had gotten the shot um and he was clean for a month and can you um, tell he came like over what that is if they don't know oh so i um i don't remember what it's called but pretty much, um, it's um, an injection that you get for addicts um, for heroin and fentanyl, and it makes it so that when you use, uh, you have no effects from the drug. So like you can take uh, however much you know you want, and you don't have any of the effect. It pretty much just blocks it from happening so it's impossible for them to get high um Mm -hmm. so deanna was on that um it was like four weeks and so he was clean for four weeks which was like maybe the longest he had gone being clean um and yeah just took him using um it was the same amount that he probably would have used before that shot but like his tolerance had gone down while he was, um, while he had that shot, and then, um, he just took, he just took too much, and it was too much for his heart, and, uh, yeah, he passed away. Wow. Oh, man. It's, like, it's, (laughs) it sucks because he was, you know, he was trying, and it was something that was, it was something that he was trying that was supposed to help get him clean, that went on to help lead to him passing away, but right. um, 
you know, it could have happened anyways. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like he, it, it, what's interesting, Carly, is he sounds like such an atypical addict. Yeah. Where, like most addicts are, they don't care if their family knows because they're like, I just care about my drug. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And like getting the next fix or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he cared so much about what other he, people thought. He, he really cared so much. He never, um, he wore long sleeves for like that entire year that I knew and like, because he didn't want his track marks to show. He, right. he like, you know, still came to, like, the family functions to, see, you know, try and, you know, have everybody see, like, he's okay. Um, mm. Wow. He held a job for a little while, but he couldn't really keep up with that. Um, he tried to work for my uncle for a little bit, but it was, like, he just couldn't have a schedule like that. Yeah, um, I but yeah, I mean, um, I don't know. I've, there's other addicts in my family. Um, and I feel like they are also very like private about it too, but, um, you know, different substances comes different terms, but, um, yeah, he was always, he wanted to uphold like the image that he was okay and was definitely not an addict. Um, but like I said, he was, he was always like a private person too. Um, he liked to keep things to himself a lot. So it's not surprising that he did the same thing with his addiction. I do remember when it did get really bad, like it, like he became more like lazy, I guess about it. Like, Mm -hmm. I guess he, after he knew that I knew like, I, you know, you'd see, like, paraf- paraphernalia around. Like, he would come to me asking for money. But he would be like, do you have, like, money? And I'd be like, no. And he'd be like, okay. Like, he wouldn't pry for it. And he never, like, he never, like, stole any of, like, anything from our family to, like, sell. He never stole money from anyone. Like, he... That's he just, insane. Yeah. That's, like, not normal, dude. Like, that's, like, pretty unique. Because... Uh, he just he like he genuinely hated being in that he hated it so much and he always wanted like he wanted to get better he didn't want to be somebody that was an addict so he was always trying he was always fighting it yeah you know even if he was using he was fighting it and he hated it so whoo um wow i and it's yeah, it is funny to, to hear, like, because I never thought of him as, like, an atypical addict, because, like, I don't know, for, in my head, it's, like, an addict is an addict. Like, well, just you, your experience, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he, I don't know, that is interesting to think about. Well, because, because, I mean, you know my situation, it, like, my brother's asked me for money, and we've, I mean, I've gotten into physical altercations with him. So, like, you know, uh, pushing me or he used to punch me as a kid and I, um, or like, one time I told him to stop using and he, which was just Xanax and weed at the time, but, you know, when you're 13, you you think it's, you know, heroin, literally, you know? Yeah. And we, he would blow smoke in my face and, um, 
I mean, the, the list goes on and on. I mean, literally t two weeks ago, I, I was called a bitch. So, you know, it's like I, I for not helping him out. So it's like I it's so not that it makes it any easier in your situation. I mean, you know, yeah. but it's just when you hear about addicts and how they're all the same and how they're all manipulative or um, selfish and, you know, all those things, it's interesting because I don't. I, I wouldn't you can't put those pieces together in your brother's right story. so and it's it's just it, yeah. it's very unique and um you know it, even though it's unique it's still horrifying but yeah I find that very um I, I, I and I want to ask you this only because I just realized it as we're you know talking about it and I feel like that happens a lot but did that give you I mean obviously you know, your, your life will never be the same, but, like, did that give you any type of closure, almost, that he did really care about you that much? I was curious. Yeah, um, like, after he, when he passed away, I talked with a lot of his friends, and, um, me and Daniel never got out of that, like, stage where you, like, just fight with each other when you're kids, with your siblings. Like, we, we were getting there, like, we were starting to, like, talk about um I don't know like he, I was he was telling me about like the uh weed gummies that and and Colorado and I was like oh that's so cool like <laughs> you know we were like starting to become like cooler with each other and um obviously like we like we were we loved each other and we were siblings but we still fought a lot and um yeah. we never told each other like we were never like hey, I love you. You know, like, that's, we just, like, weren't those kind of siblings. Um, and so when he passed away, his uh, friends would come and they talked to me and a lot of them said that, like, he talked about me all the time and, like, he was excited to, like, see where I was going to go to school. Um, he'd tell them, like, about, like, the plays that I was in. Um, and so like hearing that and then like thinking about you know him not wanting me to know was really that was like really nice to hear and it was really comforting because we would never uh we would never tell each other something like that yeah and this so this is the first podcast episode I've ever cried on <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, oh, my God. oh yeah, but yeah. It, it also was like the ultimate like <sighs> I got you last because look, I heard that you were talking nice about me to all these people. So, jokes on you, Daniel. I never said yeah. anything nice about you to anyone. Yeah. <laughs> there's so still funny. there's still things to this day that like I, I'll catch and I'll be like, damn, like that's Daniel for sure. Like, do you? Wanna, me and my dad. Uh, and, me and my and dad I, found a. Wait, wait. Before, sorry. Wait, hold on. Yeah, yeah. I, I do. I do want to also say I. I think you're gonna help a lot of people by having this conversation. You think? Um, oh. Yeah, Carly. <laughs> Come on. That's good. Um, I mean, dude, it's like. I mean, you're like helping me. You know what I'm saying? Because I, yeah. I go through this every day, and I. I yeah. So do you. So it's like, you know, and obviously in your situation, it's completely different. Um, right. But, you know, just like, you are literally like one of the strongest people i've ever met and i it's like it's crazy um and i you know there are some situations that i've been in where i'm like i think about like 
what you would do, you know? Yeah. And that's why I don't call you and talk to you about this stuff because, A, I don't want to, you know, trigger you. And I, But I also, like, I think um, for me it's more like a situation where um, I think about what, you know, you would tell me because I'm like, you have literally firsthand experience in this and we're very similar people. Yeah. Um, so your advice is really applicable to me, you know? Yeah. That makes me really happy that really like makes my that gives my heart a huge hug to hear that from you because I think like I think the exact same thing is you like you've been through you know more shit than anyone I know (laughs) so hearing that from you is like damn we're two peas in a fucked up pod yeah (laughs) on the pod yeah Um, (laughs) I I I wanted you to tell the story um about the science book oh my god well yeah I was just I was gonna tell you another story about how he um came like I don't want to say like visited but like did something to us I can tell both of them but the science book one is like that one is like weird so it was um Daniel passed away and I was um I missed it was like the first day of my senior year of high school he passed away and so I missed, uh, I think, like, a week and a half. Um, yeah, perfect timing. Thank you, Daniel. Yeah, like, that um, is just Yeah, you, you really it. timed that one perfectly. Yeah. Um, so another point for him. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, and then I came back after two weeks, and so I was, like, getting my textbooks because I hadn't got them yet. And so I was in my science class, and it's my first period of my first day back. And uh, my science teacher like he had he had no idea what happened this guy is like the oldest teacher in our building he's like a just like a dinosaur <laughs> like pretty a much yeah has no idea what's going on um he so he's like yeah you can like go pick a book like whatever and I was like all right so like I go and pick a book off the stack and like I take it to my desk and I opened it up and the first name written in the book was Daniel's. It's a Daniel Spielberg. Like, that is... That's probably, like, the weirdest, scariest... Every time you tell that story, I get the chills. Yeah. And, like, I, like... Just spooky. I stood there and was, like, covering my face because, like, I had no... I hadn't... Like, I didn't know what to do. It was so... What was your it was, reaction? I... Like, my friend Maggie was sitting next to me. And I was like... I was like, Maggie... Like, that's my brother's name right there. And she she was like, she didn't know what to say to me. Because, like, I'm, like, you know, my brother had just died. And, like, I'm. Right. No one knows. I see that. She was like, she was, I think she was like, do you want a hug? Or, like, she's like, I'm sorry. And I was like, no, like, this is, I wasn't sad. I was like, this is the most insane thing I've ever seen. That's, like, also, like, a sign that he's there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I. Weird. I know. I, I showed my mom and, like. She, we, like, showed the whole family. We're all, like, passing around a geology textbook. <laughs> it's, uh, so, yeah, that's, um, that was crazy. I think about that a lot, too. How and then he's... I want you to tell one other story. You said you had another story before we wrap up. Yeah, so, uh, when me and my dad were cleaning out some of his belongings, um, we found a box that had a gold coin in it. My dad looks at it and he goes, I think this is worth a lot of money. And I go, really? He goes, yeah. I was like, where would Daniel have gotten this then? He goes, I don't know. Like maybe your grandpa gave it to him. Cause like my grandpa collected coins. Okay. Um, so 
I look it up and I'm like looking at this coin and looking on Google and it's like going for like $40,000, $50,000, like what all the way up fuck? to like, if you have one in mint condition, like a hundred thousand dollars. And I was like, dad, oh my God. I was like freaking out. I like called my boyfriend. I was like, we're going to be rich. Like I'm going to go <laughs> like, you know, like go to the pawn shop right now. Um, and, uh, so, like, the next day, I went and I took it to this, like, uh, it was, like, we buy gold and silver place, and I was, like, this is gonna be the craziest thing. They've probably never even seen anything like this. Right. They're, they're gonna go crazy, and, like, I show it to the guy. I, like, walk up to the desk, and it's this guy, he's, like, got, like, he has, like, two giant chains on. He has, like, a Rolex on each wrist, like. Oh, Lord. And so he like he looks at it. He takes one look at it, and he's like, "This is fake. This is very fake." He's <laughs> like, "You can see here, like it's like chipped." He's like, "It's you can see the metal on the inside. This is not gold. Like this is extremely fake." Oh, and I was like, "All right, God. thank you." And I was like, "Yeah, that was like that. That was definitely Daniel. Like, he did that shit. Damn. He wanted me to go, and he wanted me to think it was real, and then he wanted was he me like to that? get told was he like a prank." kind of person oh absolutely yeah like both of us to each other that's what we did like all the time oh my god that's hilarious i know i know so like like and i told my dad that he's like oh yeah that yeah definitely like yeah for sure um so carly i i wanted to just before like when we wrap up or whatever Mm -hmm. um Sometimes I do this on the podcast and sometimes I don't just because our conversations don't go this way. But I typically ask, like, what's one piece of advice you would give to somebody who's struggling with, like, um, asking for a friend? Yeah. Um, What's one piece of advice you would give to somebody who's struggling with somebody who um, struggling with addiction that's in their family? Um, Somebody struggling with addiction or struggling that has somebody in their family with addiction? Has somebody in their family, just like your situation. Um. I would definitely just, like, offer your time and, like, listen and talk with them. Please talk with them um, if you can. I know, like you were saying, addicts are different. Maybe you, maybe you can only talk to them about something simple like a sports game or whatever. But mm-hmm. just, like, offer your time and just be somebody that they could come to if something goes wrong if or somebody you they could come to when they want to get clean yeah I think like when you as an addict so many times they just are cutting ties they're losing touch with a lot of people they know and it's not because they want to it's because they're sick so If you can, you know, if you can, don't let them close that door on you. Even if it's just talking about something simple, mm-hmm. try and offer yeah. to, um, and, but at the same time, you don't like, this is different from my situation, but I know other people can go through addicts, like really ruining their lives. Like mm-hmm. if it gets to that point you can also you can also keep yourself healthy and keep yourself at a distance without tearing yourself down and without blaming yourself yeah beautiful um 
where can people find you? Instagram. Instagram, not gnarly carly. I think my Twitter is like so gnarly carly with two O's. Um, <laughs> I my my TikTok is Midwest Meemaw. Oh my um, god, you're a fucking uh, comedian. <laughs> um, t- what else? Yeah, I think spell that's your, it. Oh, I don't. I don't have a LinkedIn. I don't have a LinkedIn, so don't look me up on there. Please. Okay. Well, you, yeah, you. I could never see you having a LinkedIn. I feel like you would make a fake LinkedIn, to be honest. Probably that's actually fun. a good you idea. You would make like a parody LinkedIn. Yeah. I'm probably um, gonna go do that now. <laughs> my internet name yeah. is Carl Marx. <laughs> yes. Oh my God, Carly, you need to create my Instagram name. Um, I. Thank you so much for doing the podcast. I you're I mean, it's one of my closest dearest friends. Um, yeah. I I really appreciate you being open because a lot of comedians are open. They come on the podcast, but I've had a couple of friends on the podcast, but they're not like my closest friends. You know. Um, yeah. But you are literally the first guest that I've had that's been this um, close to me and open. Um, so I I genuinely cannot thank you enough um of course thank you this was so this was fun and this was like very cathartic and therapeutic and um yeah i i'm so happy i could do this and i love you very much me too i love you too (laughs) all right thank you guys for listening to doing time